0: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the We Have a Take the What podcast. I am Tara Bowen-Biggs, and I am joined today by Roselle Harding. Hello, Rose. How are you doing today? Hi, Tara. How are you doing? Pretty good. Sun shining, waiting for the rain to start. It's weird for us to be saying
1: that in November. As, like, Oregonians, we're like, oh, when is this rain going to start?
0: Mm-hmm. But now it's just sunny and cold, like it's the Midwest or something. Yeah. And windy. And yeah, I tried to get the leaves leaves raked yesterday so that they wouldn't be all wet by the time I finally put them in the um in the recycle or the in the yard debris bucket. But let's not talk about household chores. Let's start with our icebreaker. How about since we've finally seen them? What are your what are reactions to the new jerseys? And I know that everybody has like had all kinds of things to say about the jerseys. But I want to know what you think about the jerseys.
1: Okay, so first I was like, oh, really, we're doing this now. And I, you know, I had this immediate reaction. I was like, I felt like they should have done it immediately when everybody was like Portland carpet, whatever. And then when they didn't do it, then I was like, well, okay, maybe they'll wait like 10 or 15 years and then they'll do it. But no, they did it like, I don't know, six years later or whatever, which sort of feels like a weird in-between time. But all that aside of timing, I actually think they look great on TV. I love the big PDX on the front. I think that like the contrast looks really nice, which is like sort of my gripe if people follow me on Twitter. Sort of my gripe about some of the red and black um, uniforms because I don't think that they really pop with black on red. And I think that like embracing that big white font of the PDX looks really great on TV. That's what I think. What do you think?
0: I'm with you. I think they look great. I was surprised. I saw them on TV first and I was like, oh, wow. And yeah, it's weird that they're teal blue. But like you said, they pop and they're still clearly Portland. And I've been thinking about this, that um, compared to all, you know, all 29 other of the I don't know, city edition jerseys. I think this one outshines all of them. And especially after I saw it in person. And I think like the thing that Portland has about their uniforms that is unique is the sash. Like nobody else has a sash, right? Am I correct about that? I don't think anybody else really has a sash and, you know, they've adopted it, you know, and, and I kind of think that like if they're going to just do sort of like the lazy every year, they're going to just like switch something out that Portland is lucky in that they have that unique feature, which is the sash, which they could just be switching out the sash. Like, I think the the Oregon ones from a couple years ago that were so controversial, the brown ones, I think that could have been cool with a sash. I don't know. Yeah,
1: no, I, I think I agree with you. And I'm trying to, I'm kind of racking my brain right now to think if I can remember any other team with a sash. I don't think there are. There's like, there's like a couple of teams that have like pinstripes a pinstripe look and i feel like a very popular look um is that like really old school like varsity block font that like the bulls and like the celtics have Mm -hmm. and to me they're boring and everybody likes them because they look classic but i think you only like them because they're from like the they're like the font of the era where those teams were really great Mm -hmm. and like that's what makes them feel really classic but like outside of that I'm gonna say it they're boring the font is boring the look is boring you could just like switch up the colors any which way and I probably wouldn't notice that you did much
0: mm-hmm.
1: I just think that like I, I think that the teams that have made the biggest impacts are the teams that like kind of went bigger went home mm-hmm. you know they like the Miami jersey when they, the Miami vice jersey that was great they wrote it a little too far in my opinion they like they like beat that one into the ground but like You know, the first iteration of it was amazing. It looked really good. It felt very like Miami. And it did not like, it didn't exactly like go to any of the design elements of that team at all. But everybody knew exactly what it was because those colors invoked Miami without it being the Miami Heat. Mm -hmm. And like some of the other teams, it's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you feel this way, but like, I feel like the colors this year are very weird a lot of the teams look like they've borrowed each other's shades of colors Mm -hmm. and i'm like and that and that was like enough that they switched up like like there was like a jersey they're wearing a jersey that they could have worn in any other season but like the blue is slightly off (laughs) or like the like the yellow is slightly off and i was like who decided this Like, yeah, I forget who it is. Somebody looks like the Pacers. Somebody looks like the Pacers that isn't the Pacers. And I don't remember who it is now.
0: Yeah. And somebody looks like Milwaukee who's not Milwaukee. Somebody looks like Minnesota who's not Minnesota. It's just, it's just all over the place. I think Portland got pretty lucky in just like having the basic design and that while the color scheme was switched up, it didn't like take away from the overall feel of what, you know, Portland just looks like. And I'm just waiting for them to like write out this contract and bring me back the red Set with the multicolored sash. I just want that one back. <laughs> the classic red one. jersey. That was the Adidas my favorite one. Jersey. The Adidas mm-hmm. red
1: sash. It was so good. Yeah. And it was like it had like the thick arm straps. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to some of the, I think that some of the other ones from Adidas didn't ne- weren't necessarily that same like cut like with the neck and stuff. Right. Um, I think it had a V neck maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, the the t shirt jerseys were kind of a weird thing, but I can overlook that because the red sash jersey,
0: you're right, was like that was a hot jersey, and I'm
1: yeah. sad I never bought one.
0: Mm -hmm. Do
1: you have a red stash jersey?
0: Yeah, I do. I have a LaMarcus Aldridge one. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, I had to look at it to make sure it was red. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it is. There's one
1: other thing I wanted to say about the jersey is that so there's two statement jerseys this year that are airport code jerseys. So there's us, the PDX jersey, which is the Portland airport code, and Charlotte and man. Do we look so much better because they're the other airport
0: code? Because their airport code is CLT. Yeah, it's um it's unfortunate and hard not to hard not to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Being on the front of your jersey. <laughs> I just feel like comparatively
1: we really win that battle of who got the better airport. Even though I think their colors look nice, mm-hmm. but it has that giant CLT on the
0: front. Yeah, that you just can't ignore that pdx no. is a much safer uh combination and yeah no i i think i think we got pretty lucky compared and i just was like i they looked great on tv and then i saw them in person and even the ones with it like not real players are wearing they look good on just fans so that says a lot um i think we're going to see a lot of those out there so good. moving on from our icebreaker just like a tiny little piece of news um which all the other podcasts I'm sure we'll cover in much more, but just um, in case somebody hasn't had a chance to listen to somebody else already. Um, the Blazers signed a new two-way player. They signed Ibu Baji and waved Olivier Sar, which I thought was really interesting because there's a lot of talk about Olivier Sar after preseason. Like he was one of the kind of like, Oh, that's a surprise. He was pretty solid in preseason, but um, Sadly, he was injured, wasn't available. And now they've signed somebody who, although I guess he's on his way to join the team, is going to be more available if they need him right away. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts. I don't. I don't. So I I have to be like totally honest.
1: I don't remember Olivier Sar playing. I didn't watch all the preseason. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anything about this new guy coming in. And so I just kind of like to like, I don't know. See what they are. Even if even players that come to us that have like a reputation, I still just kind of like to make for my own opinion after seeing them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't really have an opinion of Olivier Sarr, Sorry. Um, And I'll just wait for this new guy to see if we get a look at him and how I feel about him. Cause I think a lot of guys, sometimes they come into a new situation if they haven't been playing before or they've been playing not so well on another team. And all of a sudden they're like, I have like a rebirth, like a player rebirth. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, I just want to know what they look like here in Portland in this situation and how they've looked across their career like matters. But it's not going to really like affect how I feel as a fan, I guess.
0: Yeah, and we don't have much on him because um, he is was an undrafted rookie this year. Um, so and the, only, the thing that I feel worst about is because um, I love doing the episodes like we're going to do today where we get to know a player um, who comes to join us. And we hadn't done Olivier Sar yet. And I feel so bad. i like, oh, we should have started like with our two guys, two-way guys. So we could at least know something about them before they were gone. So I'm so sorry, Olivier Sar, if you're listening to this, that we never gave you the all about Olivier Saar episode. They do have an additional two-way player, John Butler, which hopefully we'll be able to get to him. Because, I don't, again, I just love getting to know these players, their journey, how they got here, what they went through. And, you know thinking about what they can bring to the team and to the community. So Olivier, we hardly knew you, um, you know, best of luck to him and welcome Ibu. Get to know him soon. Uh, and then also Damien Lord out with a calf injury again, left the game last night. So we'll just all hold our breath, I guess. They yeah. Continue. that. Ca- Ugh, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I feel like it's, it's like a blow to morale, but like, the reality is is i'd rather have dame taking care of his body which he apparently was not very good at doing like over the course of like long injuries um i remember the one season he was out a bunch with plantar fasciitis uh that was like a really that was a big blow to that season but like he never just like i don't know like i feel like he he just like would like play for a while and then he would take some time off and then he'd play for a while and i would just rather him take the time that he needs to like rehab, whatever it is, is
0: going on. And,
1: you know, he was playing well.
0: It's gotta be so hard to be a, uh, a trainer or like, you know, a, a physical trainer specialist with high powered athletes, because you depend so much on having people like tell you how much pain they're in to know like what to do. And these guys, like, what is pain to somebody who has, who does what they do and work as hard as they do and push themselves as hard as they do. Like, how do you even like pain is one is something that's just like so subjective and it depends on whose pain it is. I don't know. It's gotta be really, really hard to draw it out of the, out of those guys and hit that balance where you do let them play through things that they you should play, play through and don't let them play through things that they need to stop with. Not a job that I would uh, be good at. That's for sure.
1: No. And especially like, Asking like young men, how much pain you're in? Like, I mean, I think that there's a lot of young men out there who would downplay the pain that they're in, no matter what the situation. But especially in professional basketball, mm-hmm. who just want to get out there and compete.
0: <laughs> oh, a little little hat tip to our little Shaden. We've been talking about this offline a little bit of just like how much Shaden has improved his uh, ability to like do an interview it's amazing mm-hmm. like what we've seen on the court is like really cool and great but just like thinking about like all he said for the first two weeks that he was here was just want to get out there and compete just want to get out there and compete and now that he's gotten out there to compete he's like doing just a he's just like doing a great job on interviews I, I just love to see how he's progressing I well, I'm I'm dying to know if it's because he just feels more relaxed
1: like he's you know like he's he's turned some heads. He's gotten some like really positive attention as a rookie. And I wonder if he's more comfortable or if like his team has decided that because he's making a splash that it's time to like, do like some more serious media training. Cause I mean, every player kind of needs that and they kind of develop their, the way that they like to approach interviews. I feel like in the NBA, Um, um, but maybe he just hadn't really focused on that aspect of being an NBA player up until they realized he was going to like, maybe have to do, post-game interviews and, you know, be on TV and reporters were all going to be writing down every word that he said. Like he's, he's clearly getting playing time. He's clearly getting attention and maybe they're like, okay, it's time. Yeah. Let's I think, you up,
0: sir. I think these guys do get a lot of attention, uh, from the team to help them feel comfortable. And especially like, you know, when he talks to Brooke, you know, who he's talked to many times before it's, he's getting more relaxed because he's comfortable with her and, um, yeah. Who knew that our rookie was going to, you know, be having some of the post-game uh, interviews, not just because it was like his first game, but it was like because he was like the most important contributor of the night. <laughs> That's so awesome.
1: I know he's very he's been very poised as he's, you know, played his minutes. I feel like a lot of rookies don't look as comfortable as he's looked very early on. Um and it's and it's just like crazy to think about the fact that he's probably not even 100 percent comfortable yet. And we don't even know what like that elite level of comfort's going to look like for him because he's very he looks very comfortable.
0: And I've noticed every once in a while a little smile on the court when he's done something, because, you know, he keeps it so buttoned up like Damian Lillard. And every once in a while, like after a dunk, if you if you look really quick, you'll see him flash just a little tiny smile. So I'm I hope that also means it's good to see that he's having fun out there as well. It's the tiniest, though. And it's just for a moment. It's so fast. It's so fast. You really, really have to be looking for it. It's fun. (laughs) Well, shall we move on to the meat of our episode?
1: Yes. So I came here today ready to talk about Jeremy Grant.
0: Can't wait to hear.
1: I know. And, you know, I have to say that this was a bit of a journey as I was reading about Jeremy Grant because I really had certain expectations about what I would find about him. And it was very different than what I expected. I mean, I'm over the moon to tell you about Jeremy Grant, but
0: it just wasn't what I expected at all. Well, I'm curious, what did you expect going into it? I thought that he had a little bit of,
1: like, I thought, for one, I thought there would be more about him on fashion because we've we've focused in a lot about him being in fashion, him walking in fashion week, him being very involved in the fashion world. And that is not what people talk to him about. That is not interviews that he's like there's not a lot a ton of interviews out there about him in fashion. Um, that is not where his passions lie. And I was also really pleased to see that there was still so much stuff about him and his family that wasn't just about how we're all NBA players. Like they you really got a nice feel for like um his like family unit and how close they all are. So I'll just start with Jeremy Grant, he's 28. He is born in Portland, Oregon, which I think most Portland fans at this point know um, because his dad was a Blazer his dad Harvey Grant was a Blazer when he was born in 1993 so he's 28 he is 6'8 he is has a 7'3 wingspan which I only want to point out because it's the largest on the team uh, so it's, it's longer than Nurks it's he's wow. longer than Drew Eubanks like longest wingspan on the whole team 6'8 7'3 wingspan Nurks is 7'2 by the way
0: well, it makes perfect sense. Like I was like the way that he can get in the lane and get those steals. It is like, wow, he has long arms.
1: <laughs> yeah. The only other person who had the same um, uh, wingspan as him was Olivier Saar, mm-hmm. who is not on the team anymore. So I now think,
0: it's just Jeremy. I think Ebu has has a long one. We'll have to compare that when we learn more about Eboo. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So born in
1: Portland, March 12th, 1994. He, you know, obviously moved around with his father on his father's journey through the NBA, which included, um, I think that he went from Portland to, well, first he was drafted, I think, to Washington, um, moved moved to Portland, went back to Washington, and then he finished with his final season in um, Philadelphia, the 76er. But he spent the bulk of his time in um, the Washington, D.C. area. And so Jeremy mostly grew up in, um, like, uh, the suburbs, like, Maryland area. Um, He he went to high school in Hyattsville, Maryland. He went to DeMatha Catholic High School. Um, I think that's where all of his brothers went to. um, Where they all, like, he has four brothers that all did play basketball at some point. And I think they all went to that same high school. Um, He was a four-star recruit. Out of his high school, and he ended up choosing Syracuse, where he played for two seasons before he declared for the nBA and I think he's still really close with a bunch of the guys from Syracuse um I've heard him talk in interviews about how he's still close to Michael Carter Williams, which is interesting because actually when he when uh Jeremy Grant was drafted, he was drafted by the Sixers, and Michael Carter Williams had been drafted to the Sixers the year prior um and so they've been, they were at the same college and then the same um pro team but oh gosh this is the thing that I I I really like hadn't really thought about in terms of his career so he started drafted to the Sixers second round in 2014 and if everyone I mean anyone who knows anything knows that 2014 for the Sixers was a dark time he got drafted to the Sixers in the middle of the process and then he played for two years there, where they won 28 games over two seasons. They won a total of 28 games over two seasons? Oh, that's yes. dark. Do you remember how bad the process was at, a, as a, at its worst? Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. grim. I remember seeing people, like, clowning on them because um, they had, like, you know how like, we have, like, our 100-point game whatever thing? I think that they ended up having to drop their, their like, promotion to, like, 80 points. Mm-hmm. If oh, the sad. Sixers scored 80 points, like, They all got whatever the promotional item was. And I was like, oh, that is dark. So anyway, he was there for two seasons during the process. Um, I heard him talk a little bit about it. And he wasn't as like down on it as I thought. And maybe that's a little bit in retrospect, because by the time I was hearing these interviews, he was talking about it as somebody who had already found success in the NBA. But he was saying how it was like. He had to focus a lot on his development at that time. Um, He was lucky that he got as a second round draft pick, he got to um, start at some games and like get significant playing time. Um, I don't think he started like a ton, but he did get to, he did get some starts and he did, he was, he did get a lot of playing time as somebody who was like, kind of would be an end of the bench guy on another team. Um, So he got a a chance to play right away, figure out who he was, develop himself as a player. Um, So it wasn't, all bad and then i think in 2016 he was traded to okc and here's another thing when i think about this so he goes to he was drafted to the sixers during the process then he gets traded to okc right after they're trying to figure out what they're going to do after kevin durant left Mm. and obviously like jeremy grant fills a very kevin durant sized hole but he was still young he was still you know he was still only um 21 or 22 at that time so he didn't start a whole lot when he first got there he did get to play um but like he he i don't know like he he i think he looked more promising at that point and that's how the sign-in trade happened with denver a couple years later i think that's why that happened um i kind of forgot that he was on denver <laughs> i do remember playing against him on denver because we see denver all the time but um i realized that he just kind of been like going to teams that were in uh like limited success situations at the time that he arrived there and he was a young player trying to develop. So arriving in Denver was probably a little bit of like a relief in some ways because they were looking up at that point. Um he went to Denver in 20 I want to say 18.
0: It's really a mixed bag, especially, you know, for our perspective now coming off of last year the way that a player, a young player who may not have been a high pick suddenly presented with a lot more opportunity than was expected. So he did get all that playing time in with, you know, with the 76ers so that by the time he gets to Oklahoma city, maybe his trajectory has moved a little bit farther than they, you know, may, might have originally been um, thought if he'd been drafted by a team that, you know, didn't play him. Um, and it's cool to think about how that might relate to some of the players on the Blazers right now. Like yeah, how he may be sure. able to relate to Trendon and that kind of thing, you know, or or Greg or some of those guys who had to go through that, um, that year, which was sort of a mixed blessing because it was like bad because they lost, but good because they actually got to r- refine their skills a lot faster.
1: Yeah, that, there's definitely some element of that for sure. And like, so, okay, so he went to, he started in Philadelphia, he went to Oklahoma City eventually i think that they filled that role permanently with the paul george acquisition um and then he moved on to denver and in denver it was like the first time he was on a team that could really win um very defined role in that team but like behind paul milsap remember they had paul milsap for like like those That's right. successful years mm-hmm. who was older and like a more of an offensive guy and um so he his like I think he was like a second unit energy guy, you know, um, really, really annoying on defense, really long, um, a, a little bit of a disruptor. But his that role was really like defined for him in a in a neat package mm-hmm. that like already utilized the skills that he developed and not really necessarily focused on um, building new skills. And so when he finally had his first his by the way, the first time in his career where he had like the free will to sign wherever he wanted he went to Detroit instead of staying with Denver, where I think he could have stayed, but he didn't. And um, I thought that was interesting because, you know, he, a lot of people were like, oh, he chased the bag. And it's interesting. When we were talking to, I, I, I forget, I think we were talking to the, it must have been the episode where we were talking to the, the, the podcast summit uh-huh. with un, Unbiased. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. So people were talking about like, oh, what's Jeremy Grant's motivation? Does he want to be the guy? Does he want... You know, does he want the money? And I found an interview with him with The Athletic where he talked about how, yes, having a bigger role was important to him to challenge himself. But also he wanted to be in an organization with a black coach and a black GM in a city that was predominantly black because one of the most important aspects of his outside of basketball life is he is an activist And he is very focused on uplifting the black community. And I tell you right now, everything that you read about him, this is the common thread in all of his interviews. This is who he is. And it's weird that in Portland where we care a lot about activism, we hadn't really latched onto that aspect of his story, but that is a huge part of who he is. He was super duper um, involved in the protests in 2020. he went to a peaceful protest outside the white house in June of 2020. And he went with two of his brothers, one of his, I think his sister, his sister-in-law, it was like a huge family affair where they all went and peacefully protested in front of the white house for black lives matter. And his dad gave a really, Harvey gave a really wonderful interview where he talked about how, you know, that made him so proud um, that like his son's, and his daughter and his family members were there to give back to their community and impact the future generations, not just like today. Um, and how like he wants his kids like I think he said whatever they believe in, truly in their hearts, they should go out and do it peacefully, go out and make a difference and make a change. And I was so proud when I saw them do that. Um. Anyway, that's I just thought so, this was a really yeah. That's I awesome. thought this was a really lovely aspect of his story that we hadn't really heard about in Portland yet.
0: Well, and growing up in D.C. too, just being or in that area, you know, being surrounded by all of the politics, you know, of that area. I'm sure that you don't like grow up in that area and like n- not have that going on, especially going to a place like Damatha, I think they, um, you know, were pretty close to uh, the all of the politics of, that go on in D.C.
1: So anyway, what? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the one of the things that stuck out to me about this story that I read about his, his time um, moving from Denver to Detroit is that we have a black head coach now, you know, we have like Portland has a black head coach now and we are not a very, like we are not, we are a very white city, but we have a black head coach and we do have a, as on the basketball side of things, we do have a bigger role for him without him being like the number one guy, but he's probably the number two guy or two and a half. Um and I just think that that's a really interesting aspect that we didn't talk about when we were talked about why would Jeremy Grant um come here and would he want to stay here? Um having, you know, when he when Dwayne Casey was in Detroit, he was really I think actually Dwayne Casey's still in Detroit. But D- Dwayne Casey was a reason why he wanted to be in Detroit. He wanted to be with a black head coach and I mean I think, I think there's only like a handful of black head coach black GM combos in the league and so that he's reported as something that was really important to him um i want to say that he has an organization a foundation called the our generation our h-o-u-r generation foundation um where his mother is the vice president Um, it's primarily focused out of maryland where his family still is but he says on the site i'm committed to empowering youth in underserved communities to explore their talents by providing them with information resources, and extracurricular programs and services to maximize their potential and realize their special gifts to attain, attain success in life. Um, so activism, giving back to the community, philanthropy, those are huge parts of who Jeremy Grant is. And I just want to talk about that a little bit with you because I think that's great. What do you think?
0: i He strikes me as so thoughtful and deliberate He's so quiet and it just one of those like classic still waters run deep kind of situations where you look at him and, you know, he seems like, like you were saying, like fashion is what we latched onto, but when you get to know him more, it's like, oh, there's so much more, uh, you know, going on in his, in his heart and in his mind and everything that he, you talked about, like when he finally had the ability to be a free agent and choose where he went, like he spoke very clearly to the reasons that he wanted to go there. And so I think it's really interesting that, you know, when he comes, you know, he comes to Portland and he's going to have the opportunity to decide whether or not he wants to stay here, you know, as well. And just, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And if Portland and this team have lived up to kind of the high expectations that he has set for himself in terms of like being able to give to the community and being able to like, you know, uplift other people, I mean, you can see why he and Damien would have hit off so well, because yeah, Damien sure. being so, um, you know, it, it being so important to him that he uplift other people. You know, I think that's a, a a cool combination. Yeah, he just Jeremy Grant just seems like an awesome dude. I think I I think I'm remembering that in the bubble, he was one of the first players who answered all of his questions about Brianna Taylor.
1: Yes, Remember he was. What he it? was. It made the news. It was like there were clips of him all over the place pivoting off of the questions he was being asked by the reporters and just saying, but the most important thing here is that Breonna Taylor's murderers are still walking free.
0: Yeah, that's a guy with conviction. That is is, uh, really cool. I'm so excited that he's here and that we know a little bit more about him because... Yeah, there's so much more to him, Um, the fashion and long arms. I mean, those are like super important. I mean, those are like parts of him, but those are like the window dressing. You know what I mean? For (laughs) sure.
1: He's a really like a whole a whole player with like a lot of a lot of work that is done outside of basketball that enhances like what he does on the court and also vice versa. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, being a basketball player also empowers him to have that platform to use like in the NBA bubble and and draw like attention to the issues that he wishes that more attention were were given and so yeah i think that that's really interesting i have one tidbit i have to share about him yeah okay. let's hear it so we know that all of all of his brothers at some point played basketball and we some of them we've seen in the nba he is jeremy grant he is the third the third child he uh his oldest brother is jerry grant Then his second brother is Jerrion Grant. And then the brother that's younger than him is Jalen Grant. So obviously we see a theme with the names here. And we know that his dad was Harvey and and his twin brother Horace Grant. So it
0: sounds like his dad went hard on the J's, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's, Everybody's got a J name and they like sound really similar. Twist. They all go by their middle
1: name. What? They all go, all of those boys, those J-boys, they all go by their middle name. What's they their first all, name? They all have first H names.
0: <gasps> like their dad. Yes. <sighs> <laughs> that is an amazing twist. I love it. Jirai, who's the oldest, is Harvey Jirai Grant.
1: Jerrion, who's the second, Holden Jirai Grant. Jeremy is Houston Jirai, J- Houston Jeremy Grant. And I don't know what Jalen Grant's uh, first H name is, but I'm certain he has one (laughs) because he didn't really make it into... He didn't, like, go to the NBA or he was... I don't even know if he went to play in college exactly, but he is now a chef. Oh, really? Yes, he's a chef. Oh, wow, that's so cool. But the three older ones all have H names. Harvey, Holden, and Houston are Jirai, Jerrion, and Jeremy.
0: That's amazing. I remember the first time I heard about, like really heard about the Grant brothers is several years ago when I was doing this very like podcast thing where I was researching Pat Connaughton who Mm. went to Notre Dame and one of his best friends was I think Jerrion I think went to um, Notre Dame and then I was like oh wow I wonder if that's a Grant kid and then I was like whoa (laughs) there's a lot of Grant kids who play basketball that's so cool it's pretty It's pretty amazing, actually, that three of the four
1: brothers all went on to play basketball. And I think that um, at least one of them still plays, but I think he plays overseas. Um, and the youngest did play basketball in high school, but I don't think he went and made that like his thing. He's now a chef.
0: I think that's awesome. That, he's a chef. I wonder if he's a chef for anybody in their family or if he oh, works yeah, at like have... a restaurant.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I have one other little tidbit. That I have, have, it. I have extrapolated based on it, I interviews and I'm not, I'm like 95% sure that this is what, this is actually what happened, but it hasn't been confirmed because it wasn't very public. I'm pretty sure that Jeremy Grant was in Michael Jordan's daughter's wedding. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yes. Researcher. How did that, <laughs> how did, how did you get this? Okay. So Jasmine Jordan went to Syracuse. Okay. Her college boyfriend, who she married, is Raheem Christmas, oh. who played on the basketball team with Jeremy Grant. Now, she's very like, I mean, she's like out there on like social and stuff, but like she's not really a basketball. Like she's not there to do basketball. I'm not really sure what her thing is, but she's like, Raheem Christmas doesn't seem to be in basketball anymore. And she's like, you know, like roots her dad on and is like still involved in the basketball community. But that's not like her job. I don't think Mm -hmm. I I don't know for sure. But I heard in an interview with Jeremy Grant when he was in Tokyo saying that he's still really close with a bunch of guys from the Syracuse team and that Rakim, who's the only Rakim there could possibly be on that team, was getting married in September. So when he got back from the Olympics, he was going to be in his wedding.
0: Nancy Drew, I think you solved the mystery. I love it. <laughs> these are the tidbits that people come to we have a take for to right. find out these important things so jeremy grant in you're 99 sure was in michael jordan's daughter's wedding i yeah. love it so, which
1: that's like a it probably was like a basketball royalty wedding mm-hmm. is what i'm saying um but i just think that's really funny because i don't know somehow the nba club just keeps it like it like folds back on itself over and over, <laughs> and, over and over again you know it's like Michael Michael Jordan seems very far away. I guess not as far away as you'd think <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> from Jeremy Grant because he played as his uncle. But, you know, like, it's just like the world just keeps wrapping them up all together. The future yeah. generations, like, who knows? Maybe we're going to be talking on this podcast about Jeremy Grant's son. And, you know, I don't know tooto's well,
0: daughter someday. <laughs> it's like when you go to the like the rivers Curry connections and how those are all uh they're all intertwined and and interconnected. I was thinking about uh NBA weddings the other night because San when San Antonio was in town um I was like those so many of those guys like a bunch of those guys I think were at Drew Eubanks' wedding this this summer now that now that he got married, I think a, I think one of them a couple of them were stood up with him. I believe. So I kind yeah. of love that, though.
1: I know one of my favorite one of my favorite pictures ever is. I'm pretty sure it's Josh Hart at his wedding with Stephen Adams. Oh my
0: god! Can you imagine having Stephen Adams at your wedding? He would have been the life of the party. He would have been, or he would have been sitting alone quietly at a table. Oh, playing with the kids. That's what he would have oh, been yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's what he would be doing.
0: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he would totally be I bet I bet over there uh playing with the kids. Um uh, Annie Peterson one time, um, the AP reporter told mm-hmm. us a story about when Greg Odin first got to Portland. She went to this um big, you know, uh mixer party where he was, I mean, part of it was introducing him, and she said that he spent like most of the time playing with the kids <laughs> where he where he felt most comfortable. Okay, that is awesome. I love hearing about Jeremy Grant. Do you want to tell us anything else about him? Um, I don't on? think
1: So I think we can move on to Jabari. But I just I needed to get that out there about the 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 Grant boys' names because it's been eating at me for like twenty four hours, and I'm like, I gotta tell Tara. No, wait, I'll tell her on the podcast. It's fine. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing all the Jeremy Grant investigating. I loved it. I just love getting to know these guys. And mine is going to be quite a bit different from yours because I am talking about Jabari Walker, also a second generation NBA player, but nearly 10 years younger. And so not a lot out there about his NBA career, obviously, because it's just taking off. And also not a ton about him in his very, very early days, which for reason, there's a specific reason about that. Um, so uh, I'll tell the story and then we're going to have a little bit more information kind of about his high school and a little bit uh, more about college. But I think um, I think people are going to enjoy this as a um, another J name, <laughs> another second generation and um, another new trailblazer. So I. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about Jabari Walker. Jabari was born um, on July 30th, 2022. Or sorry, not 2022, 2002. And um, a few weeks prior to him being born, his dad Samaki Walker won the um, the NBA Finals with the Los Angeles Lakers. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so Jabari was born in Wichita, Kansas, and his dad, Samaki Walker, played in the NBA for 10 years, and then he also played overseas for um, for quite a while. A couple things about Samaki Walker that I thought were interesting, and I'll talk, to, talk about him a little bit before then we go back to talking about Jabari. Um, so... Uh, I was telling him about how he was playing in the uh, 2002 finals. That was that same year and the same season that they played the Kings. And we talked about previously about the uh, series against the Kings that has hurt the Kings so tremendously because of the really poor officiating. And um, one of the things that happened during that series was uh, in a game that the uh, Sacramento was like way ahead of the Lakers. And at the end of the second quarter, the Lakers started to make a comeback. And at halftime, uh, as the buzzer rang, Samaki Walker hit a half-court shot that counted for three, which brought the Lakers within ten. At this time, they did not review to make sure that the um, it was released on time, so they were able to like the the refs called it as a fair ball but then uh, going back and looking at it on TV replay, it was not a fair ball. But at that time they couldn't take it back. So they were given this three pointer, which like changed all the momentum of the game and LA came out and I think they ended up winning the game. Because of that play, that is like one of the instrumental reasons that they started to make it so that officials can review whether or not somebody gets a shot off in time.
1: Oh my gosh. His dad has a rule for him. <laughs>
0: yep. It's a monkey walker <laughs> rule.
1: <laughs> it's so interesting to think about, like, the origins of rule changes. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know how we were talking about the bench rule change? And we yeah. were like, oh, doesn't it suck to have a rule named after you? That's so crappy. <laughs> yeah. Like, though, at least the one that we're talking about here, though, is, like, I mean it's a rule. At least rule. that's a good rule. <laughs> it's a rule that is good for the game especially yeah. cuz like you know I'm like I it always drives me nuts when there's like you can see every replay from every angle on television and so all of the fans know what should happen why don't you let the referees have that too? Mm-hmm. Like those are tools that literally everybody around the like the country is able to like see. They're going to show it to you five different angles in slow motion like and the refs just got to do it in their mind live? Mm-hmm. Like Mm -hmm. It's just bad for the game. So that's a good change for the game. The other rule, the bench thing, is
0: not. No, that is. I'll die on that hill. That is annoying, and they're going to stop calling that by the end of the year. (laughs) They're they're so bored with that rule, I think. Um, Okay, so that's one thing about Samaki Walker. Another funny thing about Samaki Walker, I was, like, Googling, like, when he was drafted. And for some reason, what came up in the Google search was more than a few, less than many, Articles that were actually blog posts by people that had titles along the lines of top 10 worst NBA draft night outfits (laughs) or, or you know, stand, you know, the implication is that they stood out, but not for a good reason. So I was like, well, this is interesting. What did Samaki Walker wear? I cannot figure out why everybody has such hard feelings, such like strong feelings. He's basically wearing... A head to toe cream colored three-piece suit. And it was the kind that like buttoned up pretty far, right? So he's like covered in cream colored fabric. And, and then he has yeah, and buttons, like goes up buttons up pretty hard. And a cream colored fedora. Like honestly, I don't know why everybody was freaking out about that. I thought he looked great. I don't know that much about fashion. I personally thought he looked great. And I don't know what everybody's big beef was with Samaki Walker's draft night outfit. Also, like so what year was he drafted oh i can't remember off the top of my head it must be like the 80s right it was during the big suit era
1: yeah so what i'm curious about is like it's not like blogs existed back then so people had to remember that outfit yeah when the until the internet came around and they wanted to blog about the
0: worst outfits <laughs> yeah they they wanted to go back and find it and that's what they came up with which just i thought that was a little weird but we're not here to talk about Samaki Walker. We're here to talk about his son, Jabari Walker, who plays for the Portland Trailblazers now. Okay, so um, he, so Samaki Walker was his dad, and his mom is a woman named Joe Dudley. And the interesting thing about his mom, she worked for the FBI. And you can read about this in an article that was written by um, Casey Holdall. And he Jabari, I thought this was fascinating. Jabari says, I can't say enough about my mom. She's in the bureau. The people you see on TV, FBI agents, that's what she does. She's the intelligent side off the court. My dad is very intelligent too, but my mom just has a different feel for communication with people. I don't even know how to explain it. I can't talk enough about my mom. I learned not to really talk about her as much because for years she had a job where I couldn't even talk about it. <laughs> now her job is a little less dangerous and more people know her. So I can say it on camera, but before I couldn't even tell you what my mom did just because you don't hear too many people like that, because it can be a dangerous job. <sighs> wow. I, d- I don't know why yeah. I was so blown away by this, but I was just like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. So real hard to find out anything about his childhood. Like they said that he was born in Wichita, but I can't even figure out what city he grew up in. <laughs> like, And I've been trying and like, I've been like you like trying to cross reference with things that other people have said and in interviews with other people about him. So um, I think some of it is because it's just like, they just kept had to lay really low um, because of his mom's job. Here's a fun fact. Do you remember Wade Baldwin when he played for the Blazers? I do remember Wade Baldwin. His mom also worked for the FBI and his dad worked for the DEA. Whoa. I know. So I don't know what to make of that, but I just thought that was interesting. Maybe they knew each other. Maybe, but we would never know about it, would we? <laughs> no, we wouldn't. But here's the thing, Rose. We need to come up with the meet cute for how the NBA player met and fell in love with the FBI agent. I mean, that is a Hallmark movie right there.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good point. Cause like it's not like if you're in the FBI, you're like out there just I mean, I guess not especially not in the 80s on like dating apps or whatever, but like <laughs> like how do you like how do you meet these people in these jobs that like they can't even talk about?
0: I don't know, but I have like three Hallmark scripts in my head. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well maybe
1: Smoky Walker is an FBI informant. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that one. We're I was taking down what's that guy's name? Tim Donahue. Is that his name?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. <gasps> that it was all wrapped up in that referee scandal. Well, that would yeah. have had to have started about a year before if they were going to be, which would have, oh, Rose, you are such a detective. I'm going to call you Nancy Drew. <laughs> I was thinking about it much more simply, like maybe she was like undercover because somebody was threatening somebody. And so she had to like pretend that she had a different job, a la like Sandra Bullock, you know, and um, or, you know, she was like, uh, you know, undercover PR assistant or undercover, like massage person like working for the team and that's how they met but i i think yours is it's more complicated see mine is more hallmark i was like trying to come up with a clever one and i was like no just be simple straightforward anyway the meet cute for them i'm sure would make a great storyline but we're gonna about still together
1: do you know if they're still i together?
0: don't know okay um neither again, here nor there yeah just really hard to find out of a lot of stuff about his family and i'm writing up a lot about it to him having to him having to just kind of be quiet for a few years. Um, he does have a brother, uh, an older brother who plays basketball. He played at UMass, but then he transferred and I think he's at Appalachia state right now. And then he has a sister, uh, Sakima who played at Rutgers and there was a big coaching upheaval there. So she's also, I believe in the, the transfer f- protocol, but a lot of basketball in that family. Um, his mom did sign him up young to play basketball and this information I got from a podcast that he was on when he himself was only like 18 years old so how much 18 year olds remember accurately <laughs> take that with a grain of salt but he said that his mom signed him up to play basketball as young as like 2 or 3 but she uh enrolled him in higher grades because he was a a, a bigger kid and so he was able to play with the big kids but Over uh, Clearly, he started very, very young. Um, An overarching theme when talking about his younger years of playing basketball and him as a basketball player, two things I heard over and over again. Um, One is that he was a late bloomer and two was that he had a very high basketball IQ. He always impressed people with basketball IQ. And I think what they're talking about late bloomer is in a lot of places, he was a little bit slower to uh, master the fundamentals maybe that were expected of his age. That's what I, that's what I picked up. Okay. So where are we? Um, Plays basketball as a little kid. So he goes to high school in Los Angeles. And again, I don't know if the whole family moved there, if just he moved there, uh, not quite sure what the situation was, but he went to a place called Campbell Hall School, which I'm gathering is a pretty she fancy school. Uh, it's an in Inglewood, Los Angeles area and had some quite notable alumni, had a big arts program. So uh, Dakota and Ellie Fanning attended there. Mary Kate and Ashley Olson went there. <laughs> <laughs> they were obviously not there at the same time because they're quite a bit older uh than Jabari Walker, uh, but they were alumni of his school. And then three Holiday Brothers, the basketball playing Holiday Brothers. All the uh, Holiday Brothers went there? Yeah. Um, attended there. Yeah. Uh Drew, Justin, can't remember all their Jamari. I can't remember all their names off the top of my head. So an interesting uh, bunch of alumni went there, uh, including Jabari Walker, but like I said, he was a lot younger than them, so he he didn't cross paths with any of them um, the summer between his freshman and sophomore year of high school, uh, he broke his arm in an AAU game. he it was a freak accident. he fell down, his teammate uh, fell on his arm and broke his arm that way. Two weeks later, uh, during his recovery, he's been working out his lower body while his um, arm is healing. His brother comes for a visit, and he and his brother decide to get into a dunk contest, even though his arm is in a cast. Dunks on his brother, breaks his leg. So <laughs> within oh two God. weeks, within two weeks, he broke his arm and his uh, knee is what, what broke. And he's really embarrassed. He tells this story on that same podcast I was referring to earlier. It's a great podcast. I'll link to it. Um and like he was really nervous because he of course he you know when you do that you know that you screwed up (laughs) didn't want it but you know he wanted it to be like not bad so he like didn't tell anybody right away and then his dad saw it and it was all swollen and he was like we're taking you to the doctor to get that fixed so during the summer he's rehabbing now his right leg and his right arm yeah oh my god
1: (laughs) that sounds like a thing like I mean, like, I sometimes, I think because now I have a kid, I think about, like, what I was like when I was a kid. And I do remember, like, thinking, like, when I did, when I do something that I'm not supposed to do and then I do it anyway. I, like, like, I do something I'm not supposed to do and then something bad happens while I did it. And then you're like, oh, this is why my parents told me not to do this thing. Mm-hmm. You hide that, though. <laughs> yeah, and you don't want to get broken, caught. You know, if that, if that knee's not
0: broken, you're like, it's fine. I'll just pretend like it never happened. <laughs> It'll be fine in a few days. Put some ice on it. Rub some dirt on it. Right?
1: Yeah. It's um, oh,
0: I I feel I feel for him though. Cause I know we've all done it. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, so he ended up pretty much missing his uh, sophomore year of basketball. Um, so he's at the Campbell Hall School for three years. And uh, his fourth year, he transferred to Arizona Compass Prep, which is obviously in Arizona. Um, he played there with Josh Primo in Ty Ty Washington. And I only bring this up. Um, obviously, Josh Primo has been in the news for, uh, you know, having um, being in trouble uh, for exposing himself. Um, that's that's what he's being accused of and it seems like it was a very very serious issue and these are very serious allegations and that's got to be weird when you're 19 years old and a guy that was your teammate is in the news about this and i just i don't know what to make of that except for just to think that must be really hard yeah you know i think that you
1: know like you kind of forget that these are still kids Mm -hmm. you know i mean like they're you know, we're like, oh, 18 is an adult. I'm like, yeah, but have you met people who are 18? Like, do you remember what it was <laughs> like to be 18? Like these are still kids mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And it's like it's hard, like that. I feel like that transition from where like you you are a kid who makes kid mistakes mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you age one year and you're an adult who's making adult mistakes and then your peers are not just kids making kid mistakes they're adults making adult mistakes and it's just like i think that's a really jarring experience i only say this because i i grew up with um a, a kid who ended up going to prison for murder and i remember thinking i was like he's a kid he's a mm-hmm. you know that's a kid but when you see, you know, you there, there's just like one one year where all of a sudden the world decides that you're not a kid anymore and you're an adult making adult mistakes, and it's very hard to grapple with your peer- peers suddenly make being adults making adult mistakes that ruin whole lives.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I and I'm not like saying it like affects it's, it's affecting Jabari's game or anything like that. I'm yeah. just like commenting that it must be it must be weird, it must be really weird. Um, I think it's it's
1: just a hard transition to be to see your friends that way Mm -hmm. and people you grew up with that way because you're used to being kids together. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. It's like, it's just weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird time. Right. Uh, So that was his uh, that's where he went. um, That's where he finished out high school and during his that year he grew three inches um, and he actually had considered staying a second year at the prep school because I think because of the last year, and he was just trying to get his body right after all the rehab that he had, you know, had to do to recover from his um, uh, earlier injuries. But he went on that big growth skirt, uh, spurt, talked to his coaches and the the people who are close to him who decided that um, uh, going to college was the, the next step. He made a really cute uh, video when he declared uh, for – he declared that he was going to uh, University of Colorado at Buffalo. Some people might also know that that's where Coach uh, Billups attended. But he made a cute video um, that had pictures of him, like getting his cast off of his arm and like getting his knee, you know, like stitches out of it or something like that, you know, uh, to just kind of like call back to there was a time where he thought he wasn't going to play basketball anymore. Uh, but he's but he stuck with it and he chose to go to Colorado for college in Colorado. He the his first year he came off of the bench and um, you know, uh did well for you know, a bench player. He played about 15 minutes a game and had about seven point6 points. He was uh, a good rebounder. And his second year, he started all of his games, doubled his playing time, doubled his output and production. Again, even as people were talking about him in the um uh uh in the, draft and like what he did in college they talked about him being a late bloomer and having just a really super high basketball iq i think it was his sophomore year he came out and just like shot terrible from three having shot pretty well from three the year before but the second half of the year it really corrected itself and he got really hot from three in the second half of his um sophomore year so um we're getting close to the end here. He came to the blazers via the Joe Ingalls trade. um, Right. A a second round pick that was
1: right. The pick that was from the Joe Ingalls trade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's how he uh, came to the blazers. He was the second to last pick of the draft. So there's plenty of pictures of um, him on draft night looking really nervous. And um, he did not, wear a uh, monochrome suit he wore a very nice like blue pants and like a vest he looked great on um did he attend
1: did he attend the the draft
0: no i don't believe he no i don't believe he did um as i recall he he was he was somewhere else but i don't think anybody's gonna be writing any blog posts 10 years from now about what he was wearing it was fine
1: (laughs) i figure if the blog posts don't exist already yet then they're probably not going to That just feels like a very special thing about people who are trying to blog about things that they couldn't blog about at the time because the internet wasn't invented yet.
0: (laughs) I think the blog posts were from they, you know, they were from like I don't know, ten years ago or whatever. But yeah, they searched all the way back in the archives to find those. Um, A few more random things about Jabari Walker, which I got from those like little half or those uh, videos that the Blazers make uh, that they play during the game. his favorite breakfast cereal is Frosted Flakes. His favorite Marvel superhero is Iron Man. Uh, if he had a superpower, it would be telekinesis. And his favorite TV show is SpongeBob. And it, the final thing I guess I'll say on him is I think that uh, he wins so far for all the bla- all the Blazers for TikTok presence. He's basically the only one who has any, um, and he Just does like post he occasionally. He's like one of the youngest too, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like Greg, Greg isn't on there. Oh, Dame but... does TikTok or Dame's wife does TikTok. Oh, does she? Well, they were doing TikTok
1: dance videos mm. during the summer. I feel like
0: you know what I did. I what I did is I went and I looked for all the young guys to see what they had. I did not to look to see what Dame had. That was a critical error on my point. So I, think, I could be I speaking it might be out Kayla. of turn.
1: I think it might be Kayla. Kayla okay. might do it. But Dame's in them for sure. I've seen yeah. Dame do TikTok dances.
0: <laughs> well, uh, as far as the young guys go, uh, Jabari's leading the way uh, in, in TikTok content. I'm trying to think if there's anything else about him. I don't know. Any? Did you know anything about him before? Did you, I didn't even know who Samaki Walker was. In, I didn't before either. He was drafted.
1: And I watched the Ducks play and Colorado is like in their same conference. And I didn't remember anything about him either. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I was like, gosh, like, I'm sure he must be good because we drafted him. And like, there aren't that many picks in an NBA draft. I was like, but I just don't remember anything about him.
0: Did you watch summer league
1: games? I did. I did watch summer league. I didn't watch every single summer league game, but I watched some of them. And, you know, you, you talked about how he was a late bloomer, but he had a high basketball IQ. I feel that when I see him play. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's always in the right spot. I feel like he's always making the right pass, doing the right thing. Like, he just has a good, like, sense of where to be. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I I, don't know. That was, like, one of the first things I noticed about him because he's not, like, like, the boy gets rebounds. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm willing to buy a rebound. Any rebound, yes. any rebound would be great right now. And I'm like, we just need to put Jabari Walker in to start collecting these rebounds
0: that's what I was thinking last night in the game against God, who did they play last night? Um, the jazz. Oh my God. By the way, sidebar, the most annoying team out there. No wonder they're winning so many games. They are so annoying. Um, but I wanted them to put Jabari in like in the beginning of the second half, just to like have somebody get a rebound. <laughs> they ended up finally like evening out. But at that point it was just like, Oh my Lord. But yeah, he just seems like he knows what he's doing and like, in interviews with him, in interviews with coaches, that was like, Jabari never said that he was a late bloomer, but he did say <laughs> that he had um, uh, a high IQ. And and you can really tell, like, I remember he first stepped out on summer league. I was like, oh, that guy knows what he's doing. And I don't know why. It, it just seemed so clear to me from just like his his first presence on the court.
1: It's very interesting to see how these guys develop because like so he was you know, he just got to the NBA. So you, like you said, his NBA career is just starting. Whereas like when I was looking at Jeremy Grant, like he already has a like a huge body of work in the NBA. So we kind of know, you know, what he's been mm-hmm. able to do. But I, I went back and I read Jeremy Grant's um, draft profile just oh, yeah? to see how, what kind of what kind of prospect they thought he was going to be coming out. And it was very interesting for me to see that he did not have a jump shot. Oh, really? He was a very poor jump shooter coming out of college. And look at this boy now. Mm. He's out here like he I feel like he has a very nice looking shot. And that's just something that like you just you just see that in someone's draft profile and you realize this is just the start, not 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 the end. Like you can become a whole different player of your making if you want. And Jeremy Grant has maybe sneakily developed all of these skills because he was in a lot of situations that just required him to focus on that aspect of his game when he wasn't in winning situations so good job to all these guys
0: that reminds me of a uh draft a pre-draft discussion about jabari walker i listened to a podcast from dnvr the folks in denver um and they were talking about local prospects who may get a look from the nuggets and what they said about jeremy uh Jabari Walker was that the combine didn't serve him very well. He had a very low vertical leap comparatively. He had a 33 inch vertical leap and they thought that that was just way too low uh, for somebody of uh, what they'd seen from him. And they were appalled that he'd showed up with a 12% body fat. And I was like, wait, hold on there. He's, he's, he probably still has like baby fat on him, first of all. And it's just like, they were like 12% percent. who shows up at the combine with 12%. And I'm like, I was just, I just thought that was a strange thing Appalled. to focus on. They were, Appalled at this. They are just, who shows up like that? And I was like, I, I think maybe if they listened back to it, they might've been like, hmm, maybe we emphasize that a little bit too much. Um, but cause when you look at Jabari, like we were just talking about it before, before we got on the podcast and we were talking about, where did we hear the story about Jabari seeing Jeremy Grant. Oh, it was from FanFest. It was
1: an interview that he he and Shaden did at FanFest with I think Brooke and Dame, and they asked him about like what was your welcome to the NBA moment? And for him, it was you know for Shaden it was like something about playing ball, and for Jabari it was like the first time he was at practice, and Jeremy Grant walked in and he looked at Jeremy Grant and he was like, there are guys who are built like that who play my position. Like he was shocked at what Jeremy Grant's body looked like. And Dame was like, yeah, agree. Like he looks like he was built in a lab.
0: (laughs) But I think also uh, uh, something else that I took from it was that Jabari also was like a long and gangly guy like him had been able, had had carved out a role in that position too. Um, So I think that's interesting. I'm really glad that we did actually two guys who were like way different parts of their career. That was a cool way to do it, to kind of compare and contrast that.
1: They're both power forwards. They're both second generation NBA players. But like, you know, we just like Jabari's like his journey is just starting.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: Jeremy's is like, I would say like Jeremy's like mid career, mid to late career, but like still in his he's like very much in his prime. Yeah.
0: Well, should we wrap it up there and do a quick social media player of the week roundup?
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. I have to be honest. I have not been on social this week that much so i'll have to rely on you to be our eyes and
0: ears on social media player of the week i can do that for you um good for you by the way (laughs) you're doing it right (laughs) (laughs) okay i have three nominations the first one is um from justice winslow and it's another birthday one his little boy who's just the cutest little guy ever nico uh had a birthday he was one years old and just like the cutest little picture of this sweet little guy um and a bunch of other pictures of him together with his son. So um you know we love a good birthday Instagram post. Uh so that's one of them. A second one to nominate and this one was um uh Shoes and Moops from uh Twitter. Former guest on this podcast as well. Um Eric Peterson, he shared a picture of greg brown it was a story it's Insta- instagram story from greg brown who was eating a bag of popcorn that was almost long as his legs <laughs> so he was sitting there on the couch with one of these huge long bags of popcorn and it was just funny because like how long is that bag of popcorn if it's as long as greg brown's legs because those are some long legs
1: <laughs> that's super duper relatable for me because popcorn is one of my all-time favorite snacks and so mm.
0: if i could have a popcorn bag that big i would do it me too. And also like shout out to Greg Brown down in the G League. Keep your head up, buddy. Get that playing time. And we'll see you when you get back. Um, the final nominee for Social Media Player of the Week is another Justice Winslow one, this time from Twitter. The other one was Instagram. This is Twitter. And he really enjoyed a beautiful sunset. Let me see what let me see if I get the get the words just right that he said uh on Twitter. No picture or anything accompaniment, just justice winslow's wonderful like stream of consciousness uh loading that's no, really not loading
1: can i read it to you i'll read oh it. yes please do damn just witnessed one of the most beautiful sunset i've seen in happy valley oregon god did his thing with that one
0: i love justice winslow so much
1: i do too and actually the best part about this is that he doesn't include a crappy picture of it. He just was soaking in the moment and telling us about it. And he's like, you go find your own sunset. This one's mine. Is that your favorite? Yeah, that one's my favorite.
0: I think that's my favorite too. Uh, If if we don't, choose uh, a specific one I'm just gonna I think we should just give justice the player of the week for on social media
1: I mean two of the nominees are him and like the other right. one's his son which is in any other week could just be a winner if he hadn't upstaged himself with
0: this amazing tweet about a sunset without a picture of a sunset <laughs> well and it, he's so right because you could never capture the sunset with a picture accurately correct I, I try to do it all the time and you just can't and he didn't even try I think you're right, right. that's a great point thing to put out
1: I feel I feel very strongly that, that is a that is a strong play. Um, I like you know people often post pictures on Fourth of July of fireworks. I'm like stop it. <laughs> you had to be there, <laughs> and sunsets. You know what? Sometimes you got to be there too. So, shout out Justice Winslow.
0: Before we wrap it up, do you want to give your uh, what's your take for the week?
1: I have a take for this week. Oh, good.
0: And I. I mean, it's a take that I
1: have all the time, but I just never say it out loud. But I think that we should wrap Brooke Olsendam up for like a 10 year contract or whatever with this team, because she's so great in everything she does. And I do really I was thinking about this. I do really think that she does a good job of building relationships with the players over the over time and making them feel comfortable. Like you talked about with Shaden, how like that rapport, I think, goes a long way on TV and I just want her to be here forever, even though I know she's good enough that she could be leaving here at any moment. But we're so lucky to have her. She's so good. Everyone, you can see that the players respond to her really well. She's always well prepared. I just love her. Shout out Brickles and Dan.
0: That's a great take. Brickles and Dan, best island reporter out there. What about and you, Tara? What's your take? I'm going to go with a really easy one that we just talked about. It. My take is you can't take a picture of a sunset and capture it. I'm with I've, I'm with Justice Winslow on this one. You know, and, Justice
1: Winslow is right about a lot of things. He's he right really is. Things.
0: Everyone, if they don't already, needs to follow him on Instagram and get his daily whiteboard inspirations because they are great. Oh, they're so great. And sometimes now that I know that like, since you said on this
1: podcast that he was roommates with Grayson Allen, there's part of me that wonders. I'm like, what did Grayson Allen think when he saw these whiteboard comments hanging up in their apartment together? <laughs> I don't
0: know if he had it when they were with Grayson Allen. I think he started them during the... Um, during the pandemic, but also I would love to know what Grace and <laughs> thinks. Cause I, i we need to go find out if they follow each other on Instagram, if they're still friends.
1: <laughs> uh, well, they did win that championship together and they're not gonna unwin it. So maybe they're still friends. Yeah.
0: All right, well Rose, it's been great to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for listening. You can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter and Instagram. Rose, where can folks find you? People can find me at Roselle Harding on Twitter
1: and on Instagram. And also, they can find us in our Discord because we have a take as a Discord now. And we'll put that link um, in uh, the comments uh, when we post this episode.
0: We sure will. And you can find the episode when it comes out on wherever you get your podcast. You can also follow the podcast at We Have a Take on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, for now, thanks everybody for listening and go Blazers.